Right now at Safeway, save on all your favorite home scents and cleaning products for a fresh, clean home. Shop for deals on items like Glade candles and plug-ins, Febreze air fresheners, Clorox cleaners, Swiffer wet cloths, or Scotch-Brite sponges. Plus, deck the halls and shop for deals on items like mini light sets, holiday wrapping paper, holiday candles, and holiday cards. Offer expires December 26th. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for full offer details. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Hi, it's Luke here from the Custard TV Podcast. If you've heard our podcast uh, over the last few months, you will know one show gripped us, basically like no other, well, a couple of others, but The Missing was incredible. Undoubtedly my favourite show of 2016, the show that I will look back on when I think of 2016 and think, that was clever, that was worthwhile, that was brilliant. One of the perks of doing the podcast and working on the site is I can speak to some of the people I admire, and this year I admire very much Harry and Jack Williams. I loved the first series of The Missing back in 2014. This was just phenomenal though, I really loved it, and so to get the opportunity to speak to the men behind it, the brothers behind it, was a dream come true. So here's my chat with Harry and Jack Williams about the Missing Series 2 ahead of the Boxing Day DVD and Blu-ray release. This is the Custard TV Podcast. So I'm very pleased, honoured, very, very honoured actually, to be joined by Harry and Jack Williams, creators of The Missing, 2014's Mega Hit and 2016's Obsession. Can we go back to the beginning and just say... Where did the missing come from at the very start? Desperation, poverty, unemployment, <laughs> yeah, reasons. All the usual reasons. Well, it did actually sort of come from uh, failure and all these other things because we'd been writing a succession of comedy series, none of which had really worked out the way we thought they would. And we had sort of gone, oh, we should write. We actually said, shit, we're going to have to stop writing together uh, because we can't support. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on this kind of fail to come stuff. So we sort of said, oh, but well, maybe we should try drama. So that was where we first decided to do something of that kind of, that kind of genre. So um, we had this idea about the French detective, and we went to France for a couple of weeks to the place Harry had his um, French exchange when he was, you were like 12 or something. Yeah, go back to a place you never want to return to. Uh, <laughs> I just remember crying and missing my parents and feeling scared and alone and vulnerable. So we're like, let's go there. It was therapy. It was therapy. therapy. And we got really drunk. There, Jackson was a photo of me in my underpants <laughs> in the square of Lille uh, Centre. Uh, good time. Should, yeah. We should put that up for season three. We should. The missing dignity. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we wrote it in, in uh, well, it took us a month or so, I think. It took us yeah. a month, yeah. We plotted it out there and then we came back and, and wrote it. And then we sent it off. We sent to our agent and said, this might be 
really embarrassing because it's really serious and people cry a lot. I, we felt like you we felt like sort of teenagers writing their first kind of poem. Felt slightly uh, embarrassed about it because it was showing emotions. Uh, and we, we we thought, oh God, we've done something ridiculous. And luckily, our agent was like, well, no, I like it, so sent it out. The crowd was. Uh... I mean, it was Thursday. And there was a big crowd watching the game. I was holding his hand. I don't blame you, love. I'm going out there. What? Where? No, because, you know, he might have gone back to places that we were today, you know, oh, somewhere, but somewhere familiar. Sense. No, you should stay. No, no, no. What have you... No, but if he comes back, then you'll be here. It's fine. I mean, I'll go and look for him, and you stay here, and then you'll be here when he comes back. It's okay. I'll go. Most of the channels turned it down. All of them, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) Dave never had the opportunity. Dave never saw it. Spit the Beeb, and it's probably over the Beeb. He was like, I love it, I want to make it. It was fantastic. That was good, yeah. I've always wondered, actually, do you ask for eight? Or do they give you eight to tell the story? How does that work? I'll fight for eight in this case. Really hard. We gave the first one and Harry said, it's got to be ten. And I was like, why? And he went, I don't know. It's one of those episodes. It makes it better. And you get more invested. You really can dig into it. You can spend time with characters that you wouldn't be able to because you're servicing plot. Mm. So episode one, and they said, we want to make it, um, but we only want to make six. And we said, no. And Harry said, it's got to be ten. And I was like, you're such an idiot. And then we had to go and write episode two to prove why it was 10 and then they sat for two for six weeks and I, I was thinking oh shit have I just derailed the entire show <laughs> you'll be cl- crying in your underpants again in time. <laughs> sorry Jack <laughs> and then fortunately the commission they said no you can have eight and then we got eight and I said hey they've got eight and he went shit how do we do eight <laughs> 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 really well thought through in watching the second one, we were like, there's so much story. Actually, by the time we got to the end, we did think we could easily have done 10. Because when there's two time lines, there's, there's so much. There's so, a lot we had to cut out of the first one. There were whole strands that we were sad to see go. But um, Well, I also think in the era where we're all supposed to be binging on stuff of 15, 16 episodes, eight is is just what you need. You need eight to really tell a complex story like this. Don't you agree? Absolutely, I think it just gives you a chance to get to know everyone, to get invested in it, and get excited about it. And there's so many stories we, you you wouldn't, so many avenues narratively you wouldn't go down if you only had six. It's all about next, next, next. The, you yeah. know where who is Alice? It just it becomes very. There's nothing wrong with that, but the A story takes over in a big way. There's a lot of interesting character development and side alleys you can explore when there's eight that you can't in, in six. Yeah. Mrs. Webster, my name's Sergeant Eve Stone. I'm with the military police. Fifth Investigation Company. My name is Jan Leonard. I'm with the German police. I'm sorry. I'm not really sure how to say this. Is, is it Sam? Is he OK? A young woman walked into Eckhausen yesterday and collapsed on Lindenstrasse. She was taken to Hanover Hospital where she was operated on overnight. She's stable now. She says good. her name is Alice Webster. What did you say? Eleven years we've waited. I can't believe it. You haven't changed, Mum. Neither of you. When Alice Webster returned, I remember people, uh, they said, 
Finally, she is free. Free? As a bird, you know. I never understood that saying. Nobody is free in this world. That girl who came back. After all those years kept in the basement. She wasn't free when she left that place. She was still a prisoner. But most importantly, I believe, that girl was not Alice Webster. There was two, well, three dramas I loved in 2014: Happy Valley, The Missing, and Line of Duty. And Happy Valley got a second series, and The Missing got a second series, and I, I was kind of, oh, why have they done it? They're going to wreck Happy Valley, they're going to wreck The Missing. Why are they doing more? Uh, how much did you feel about a second series? Was it panic? Was it excitement? Because the first had gone out so well. That's a good question. Yeah, it's a very good question. It was actually, it was sort of fear that you would ruin the leave a bad taste in the mouth i think you know one thing we said was like we, if we do it it's got to be so different and it can we'll be saying something different and fresh i think it was helped by the fact that we'd written the script for the second one even before the first one went out it wasn't yeah. quite the same it was quite different there were a lot of things that didn't work although a lot of things that did end up in yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think in the very first draft we revealed who it was uh, in episode one, in the first scene. Yeah. So the idea of like playing a bit more of a cat and mouse and being mm. narratively different was quite early. Changing the rules from a who done it to something else, you know. Was really so I think we wrote the first one already, and then they said we want more, uh, and then we said, oh great. But then seeing how the first one went, then we started to go, oh shit, how do we do it again? Yeah. But I think because yeah. a lot of the initial stage had been before it came out, we weren't we weren't that stymied, and then it did take about a month to actually sit. We had a bit of a panic for about a month and didn't get anything done. It was two years of intense panic and fear and paranoia. Yeah, even before it comes out, I mean, we were planning to be away and not watch it. We thought, God, it's going to be so embarrassing. It's going to shit the bed, and you know, after the first one, they're going to call us out, figure us out. Some people made a comparison. I don't know whether you saw to BBC Three's Thirteen, which at the start seemed a very similar premise. Were you worried about that at all? Because obviously, the the opening scenes are quite similar. Yeah, I wondered what what your thoughts were on that. It was very well, it was very well. We didn't know it was happening until we were sort of halfway through shooting the missing. We we're like, hold on, what's this? She looks like she's been in prison as well. Uh, and then you just sort of go, look, we just got to carry on. We're making the show and making. Uh, Our exec at the BBC had read both and was yes. like, I know they're different. And then we found out more about the show while we were shooting, and we knew. It became clear to us quite early on that once you get past episode one, the show went in really different directions, and that made us feel better. It was just that initial thing when it's coming out and the episode ones cover very similar themes and that was a, that was a worry for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I did well, so People tell us now, oh, people don't watch TV at home at nine o'clock. They're watching catch-up or they're watching on their phones. Nobody watches TV at nine. But The Missing proved that people were sat at home desperate to know what happened and then they were on Twitter minutes afterwards going... Well, what do you think that was all about then, with all their theories? How important is that to the success of the show in your eyes? 
for us it's a hugely important thing because it reminds us of a kind of TV that we watched when we were younger and it makes yeah. it brings people back to the living room together and they watch it together and it's something they talk about the next day and it's a sort of event to a certain extent the thing they can discuss it becomes part of their lives and when you're writing something that's your that's the dream isn't it that it um, you know becomes a thing that people talk about and you can read about yourself like endlessly which is <laughs> exactly never get boring that no well it does when it's going badly it's horrendous it's just self-flagellation you keep looking why do they hate me and you keep looking Cut that, well there's, there's this thing I get with music on iTunes where there's so much music and binge watching you're like there are so many things coming out all the time and you can watch them all in one go actually there's a reaction to that that's like actually hold on can we just take a minute and enjoy the process mm. of each one and take our time on it because make love nice and slow make love nice and slow for a change like just it. stop Going at me. That's, that's the tagline for the next series of The Missing, if there is one. And um, talk me through how you write it, because it's a very complex story with the two timelines, often three. Do you literally write it that one minute you'll be writing these scenes and then you'll go, right, we need to flash back here? Or do you write all this stuff in 2014 first? How do you do it? I can't imagine. We try not to set any rules, really. I yeah. think. We've tried to be structured. We've tried, you know, just doing one time long. We've tried. I think at the end of the day, we just go, what's the cool idea? What might happen? And then you suddenly find yourself going, oh, that'd be great around episode four or five. Oh, that'd be great. And then you look at it and you go, shit, that's actually quite a good shape for episode two we could do here. And then you start to build it together. And I think very much writing the timeline separately doesn't work. I think. No, because they're not telling, they're not informing each other and helping each other's narrative. We just sit around and talk about all the things it could be and have a massive chat for weeks on end and write down things we like and some of them are you know, they're good ideas but they don't actually make sense. They don't live in the real world so you have to get rid of them even though you love them but the ones you really like, you try and make them work, you try and figure out a world where that narrative can be held up by the stories you tell with other characters or how they can all interweave so it's just sort of process of throwing ideas into this thing. And then organising it thematically. I mean, episode yeah. six, for example, you know, it's sort of all about family and Julianne's away from his and he's having his mm. like the soul and you're cutting to Adam and his weirdly, apparently cosy domestic setup, which is obviously very twisted. So it's, once you find a theme that organises it all together, then everything else kind of starts falling into place. It helps you tell those smallest character stories. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't lie in a hospital bed waiting for the devil to take me. He let us go back into that hospital and wait for you. Thinking you just need to summon your nerve. You know, the surgeon, the nurses, everyone! I had to go back in there and tell them I didn't know where you were. You run away! You run away for one last moment in the sun for the great detective buddies because we're not enough for you! Comment tu? Comment tu dire ça? Je fais tout ça pour vous! Tout ça pour vous! Before you sit down to write it, you know where you're going, or does it sort of happen organically as you go? It's always the very last scene we tend to have after the first step, whereas we're writing the first step, we'll know exactly what the very last scene is. The moment we go for Chino and Brain Tumor, we're like, it'd be a really cool last scene. Yeah, to see him. and with Jimmy and one, we were like fans. We knew he wanted to have a similar scene to the very opening one, except he's been on this big journey, and we all know he's dead, but he's, he's lost it, basically. What was the most important part of the story for you both? I know people got tangled up in who is this person or was it more the the stuff in Iraq? What was the, the biggest, most important piece to you or does it all just hang together as one? I mean, certainly some of my favourite parts are the parts when you're writing and you go, you write something and you go, I don't know what 
will do after this, and that's what's exciting. So at the end of episode five, I think, when Adam breaks out the drill, yeah. he handed it in, and every other exec said, you can't do this. This is insane. Why would you do this? And mm. I said, why? And they said, because I don't know what you're going to do next. And we're like, Isn't that a good thing? I mean, it's, it's stressful for a bit. And we didn't know either. We were like, no. I have no idea. But then we said we did. We said we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the key right there, isn't it? Just saying you do and it'll come. And episode six was, without doubt, the hardest episode of the bunch. Yeah, 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 yeah. We knew early on that there was some kind of army conspiracy. But then when we broke that down, we realised conspiracy is much more interesting when they're about people. Mm. When you break it down, you go, actually, there's just three people. That seems more interesting, more human than everyone's in on it, which always feels a bit networky and a bit yeah, hard yeah. to grasp. And we knew the end was going to be a big showdown. We wanted to be epic. We're talking about the Hitchcockian sort of conflict on a ski lodge with the idea we couldn't afford it. So. Yeah. It's in the forest, yeah. which is better. It is better, taken. but yeah. It's when, uh, the best, the, the best, what was the question, sort of the best bits, it's when they all start to come together, really, isn't it? It's when the, it I don't know, I, I very much like the end, but that's because really it's the last mm-hmm. thing I saw, it's the last thing I can remember. I liked all the stuff with Eve and her dad. Why do you want to meet me here? I, I was at uh, uh, the... Uh, doctors down the road there, and uh, I, I just, uh, well, I, I, I just ended up sitting here. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Is everything all right? Ever since you were young, you followed in my footsteps, joining the army, climbing the ranks, even getting into country music. Your mother always said it was because you looked up to me, but I always knew that wasn't it. It, it. it was just that we were so similar, so much like the same person. And I, I, I'm sorry about that. I've been a good dad, haven't I? I I, I want you to remember me as a good dad. The man who indulged you, who who pushed you so high on the swing. Your mother nearly had an aneurysm. You remember that, don't you? Of course I do. Soon, I won't remember that. Soon, I might not even remember you. There'll be pieces missing that Doctor said parts of me that uh, fall away. But even if I can't remember you, love, please, whatever happens, what anyone says, if ever... Remember me for the good things. How difficult was the Alzheimer's side of things? Because Roger Alam just 
blew my mind in some of those scenes. But also, there was, due to the cleverness of the writing, there was parts of it where you thought, is he more self-aware than he's letting on and he's playing a game with the audience and with his daughter? Absolutely, yeah. Especially in that very last scene, Roger did an amazing job, especially in that very last scene with him and her. And he's, I mean, for me, in that moment, he's clearly, you know, he's, he's laying it on. He's thinking, oh, God, I've got an escape route. I'm going to take it. Um, There's moments of lucidity, and it's the fact yeah. that he can pick and choose how lucid he is at any given moment, which is kind of interesting. And the fact that his ultimate salvation is the fact that he is going to ultimately forget everything, and that's sort of a relief to him. And the hardest thing with that story was making it not comedic, because there's a world where you've got, you've got a guy going, I'm going to do this. What are we having for breakfast? Oh, my it's God. Sort of yeah. quite... There were cut, yeah. There, there, were, there were versions of drafts. What are you doing here, soldier? Yeah. But, it, you know, he, he pulled it off, which was a very good thing. God. Yeah. How much involvement do you have in casting? Because Keely Hawes and David Morrissey, as soon as I heard those two names... I was watching The Missing, whether it was good or bad. You know, it turns out to be brilliant. But those two names carry a lot of weight in the TV yeah, world. Well, we execute as well, so we're quite we're involved in all of that. And actually, they were the first two people we had on our on our list when we wrote the script. So we always try and write in our ideal sort of member of cast of character and who that could be. And they were top of our list, so we're very lucky to get them. I never meant for any of this to happen. You never do. You just act. You approach everything like it's the army. Don't think, don't question, just do. And keep moving on. I needed you. You're not here, are you? And if I could take it back, I would. More like that. I'm so sorry, Touch me! When you watch the DVD, which people will after hearing this this interview if they haven't already watched it, I've got my copy. Sean, open it. Yeah, man. Um, but are there clues? Because obviously we weren't sure what we were looking for at the beginning, but if you watch now from one to eight, are there clues in there? The one clue I picked up on quite early on was Roger Alam saying to Laura Fraser... Um, your sister will kill me if I don't ask about the baby. Yes. And I think, no, that's an interesting one. And then, yeah. of course, it turns out she's a surrogate. But are there other things patchworked along that we wouldn't have noticed the first time? Definitely. And I think back when the episodes were longer, there were more. But yeah. I mean, we finished all the scripts before we wrote. But even as we were shooting, we were rewriting all the time and adding little layers and little things. So it's everything was planned in advance. I think the joy of re-watching it is you can definitely see that in every line or look. And when you know what's happened, I think some of the moments are actually improved by it when you know why... You know where they're headed or what that person's lying about, the performance feeds into that and all that stuff. You know, stuff we all talked about because all the scripts are ready before we shot. Why that scene in Moment in the Hospital when the parents see Alice or Sophie for the first time is so sort of uncomfortable and awkward, which mm. is... In the moment when you first watch, you think it's because she'd been away so long. How do they talk to each other? Of course, in retrospect, you realise mm. that scene... It's about it's completely something else, but I think it still works, which is what's interesting. Yeah, even the very open paramedic scene when you know she gets, she says her name, and she's actually answering the question previous to that. Uh, uh, you know, like so that explains how she got that wrong. So all hopefully it all adds up. We did put a lot of time into it. Bitte, Fräulein, sprechen Sie mit mir. Wie heißen Sie? Please help me. 
Can you tell me your name, please, miss? Is there someone we can call for you? Who is that? Your mother? Your sister? Who is Sophie Giroux? We will try and find her. Can you please tell me your name? I mean, what does shooting abroad bring to the show? I mean, this could be a show set anywhere in the UK. What what does shooting abroad bring apart from it looking fantastic? I think it's looking fantastic. It's isolation with the fact that these English families are not in their home country. That they haven't got any the same support networks you would elsewhere. It's, a, it's that sense of brooding isolation and otherness that just infuses it with a slight sense of mystery. Those woods in Germany, and we went to a the British army base in Germany, and one of them in Bergen, mm. um, which is obviously where Bergen Belsen was as well. And all these woods that we use a lot. They're surrounding the whole army base. It's also right next to Belsen concentration camp. It's a very, the whole place is very, very spooky and ominous. So that and also, too much. yeah, the themes for this one primarily, we were like, this is about freedom and, you know, being trapped and imprisoned and stuck somewhere you can't get out of. And you go to these places, these military bases, they're all stuck in their own little environment. They're all hemmed in. Um, and so it sort of spoke to those themes as well, which was, a neat thing, as well as looking very sexy. As well as sexy. It, it does look fantastic. <laughs> that and Planet Earth are what HD TVs are for, I think. <laughs> when you sit down, though, what do you find most daunting about writing a piece like The Missing? Having to look at Harry for wow, ten hours. Wow. Uh, it's knowing that you've got eight left. Mm. And when you're at four, you're like, it's okay, I've got four left. <laughs> so some things come so quickly, and honestly, some things you can get stuck on. But yeah, the tiniest thing can take you four or five days, and then you can do a huge big turn that will just feel fix in a morning, you know. Episode so five is quite quick, and six, episode six was absolute That hell. took forever, five Because six had so much in it that was just trying to bridge gaps between certain things, things we needed to know, but had the hallucination sequence, we had to really, no one wanted to do that. No one wanted to do that, we had to really fight for it, and it was sort of everyone sort of gave up. Was, we just kept saying it, and they went, all right then. <laughs> it won't be very good though. So yeah. something you can get stuck on, the silliest plot point. I think the intimidating thing is when it's the beginning and there's so much to add up and you go, oh, we're going to get there. I know the pressure of the first one does weigh on you a little bit because you're like, oh, God, I want it to be as good. So are you together the whole time? Do you sit there and write together or do you go off and do your own things and, we plot and come back? together, yeah, and then we'll write bits of it together, bits of it apart, but all the plotting and all the figuring out what we're going to do, we'll do together. So would you consider a third? It's the same. It's the same as I said about this, how we did the second one. Is it would have to have that idea. And I don't think I have that idea. The last thing we want to do is leave a, a, you know, leave a bad taste in the mouth after getting away with it the second time. Um, I mean, I sort of want to do it and I sort of don't, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I, after seeing how this one went down, and it is fun to write when you see it all come together. It's yeah, so yeah. satisfying. It really is. And we love Julian Baptiste. So I don't think it's unlikely that we, you know, we'd see it again in some iteration but it would be a few years I think we, need, just... we need a bit of time to sort of you know uh, think about other things and come back to it in a way that was just make sure it's as good you know I think that is the main, the main thing I think we we would like to do one at some point yeah there's no rush I think that's the answer yeah so you've, you've got Liar coming what can you tell us about that when is it coming and uh, how did that do- come about 
That's filming now with Joan Griffith and Joanne Froggett, um, and it's for ITV. It's coming out next autumn, uh, and we wrote that one on spec last year, was it? Yeah. Last year. Um, it's a thriller, I would say. I would say so. Uh, much simpler, much more straightforward. Uh, you know, I think after missing, we're like, let's do something that's linear um, and just characterful, linear story. Um, and then we've got Relic as well, which is a thriller told in reverse, which is... <laughs> which, you don't like to make your life easy, do you? you know, that one's even harder than missing, and that's ridiculous. Just doing our head and... <laughs> <laughs> you you can stop at any point, you know. You don't have to make it. No, people make us stop. That's the thing. Yeah, uh, some people stop me and go, "Those guys." Yeah, we'll stop at some point. So sure. We're grateful, really. But it is, it is very very hard uh, that one. And it's looking good though. I think it's very dark. That's again, that's very different. It's very sort of uh, heightened noirish kind of thing. Quite gothic, a bit gothic, sort of shades of Sin City or Blade Runner, and it's sort of trying to get away from the more naturalistic sort of grim thriller isn't it it's, it is a bit more genre yeah. I wanted to ask you about the introduction of the, the the part that Ben Shinan played in the direction as well of this second series because he's sort of done things on Channel 4 that are quite claustrophobic and I feel like he brought that to the series of The Missing what do you think he his job was there yeah I think it was a really hard job it was a very hard job um and I think, you know, for someone who hadn't had a ton of experience, I think he, he stepped up and did really well and had a lot, you know, to learn on it, as I'm sure he'd be the first to admit. But I think he brought a lot of, um, he used to make documentaries. Mm. And uh, I think that helped a lot, get a sort of documentary interest in it. In yeah. The characters, the level of sort of forensic detail which you need, which is a bit complicated. <laughs> and he had, you know, a pop run had a real passion for it. He loved the first one. It was his dream job to do this one. And, I think that helps keep you going over 105 days. It's yeah. a mammoth job for any director. I mean, normally they get blocks of two people, you know, two different people on six episodes. And you know, one person across eight is mm. a gargantuan task. So I think it did amazingly for you know, given he hadn't done something of that size before and <coughs> that many, you know, that big a cast as well. Um, yeah, a huge job. Were you inspired at all by Nordic Noir because that they? The music choices and the way it looks, and even to an extent, the storytelling seems to be in that area. Was that is that something you take inspiration from? I think the first series definitely was. It was sort of just coming big at the time, and so we wanted to keep that for this series round. Absolutely, keep that aesthetic as well. Mainly, <laughs> the ability to tell something slowly and take your time to let your characters develop that seems pretty important. Um, so yeah, that's definitely part of it. I think you can see it even on that. Absolutely, you know how. Walking across the bridge is a pretty obvious one to the returned yeah, yeah. episode one. So yeah, absolutely. But hopefully, I think this one perhaps you know the first one perhaps closer to it in some ways. I think this one perhaps had more nods towards almost outright horror at times. Yeah, it was a bit more extreme. Yeah, just hard time to see how far we can push it this time around. I think not that you ever get a chance to sit down and watch it. But what are your favourite TV shows? Well, we grew up watching ER and Friends on Thursday nights, uh, so they were always. Have a special place in our hearts. I think Breaking Bad is not one of the all-time <laughs> wonderful shows ever. 
Yeah. Have you ever watched it a second time? Because I never have, and I'm really worried I won't enjoy it as much. Uh, no, apart from Messi, when she should watch some DVD. Third, second, <laughs> third time. Do <laughs> yeah, I do that? Yeah, I do. Not even a publicist. Not good. I know. Buy one Blu-ray and one DVD and watch them several times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's there you go. No, Breaking Bad's huge. Yeah, that was a big one for us. And, you know, Lost in its day was... When, when it was on, that had that sort of appointment TV. I've got to watch the next episode. I still love that. That had that real cliffhanger of what's going to happen next thing that we, yeah. we absolutely love. And shows like Happy Valley, Line of Juicy, love all those... I know, I, I, like, I like them, but it's sort of annoying because, you know, they're like the direct. They're, I know. You watch them go, oh, shit, that's really good. That's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. annoying. Why does it have to be decent? Yeah. Yeah. You can't really enjoy it in the same way. You watch it go, okay, it's Especially when like, oh, Happy Valley's done a really good second series. Oh, fuck, well, that that's our second series. is going to be hugely criticised. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean you're bitter about it. I mean, they're really good shows, so they should do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard just... to enjoy it in the same way. It is, totally. The worst review of the missing series, too, would be it's no missing series one I suppose that would be the worst review you could get I'd imagine oh it could be a lot worse it could be worse <laughs> our first ever show got called Worse Than Dog Shit by The Guardian yeah also said uh, Harry Jack Williams father is uh, BAFTA winning Nigel Williams have inherited none of his talent yeah that was nice <laughs> we've had bringing family into it I mean that's like Comparison to our dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, that would be, I'd be like, oh, I'd be okay. At least we wrote Missing One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, okay, cool. <laughs> It. The Missing is released on DVD and Blu-ray on December the 26th. I've got my copy. I will be re-watching it. Make sure you get yours. It was our favourite show of 2016. Just wonderful. Thank you so much to Harry and Jack. And we'll be back soon. It's the Custard TV podcast. Buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.